Welcome back to another episode of Horror Cats and Witch Hats. Happy Halloween. <laughs> this is our Halloween episode and it is Katie and Izzy. We are back. Yes, Halloween. On a Sunday in Utah, I don't know if they actually are trick-or-treating. Are they trick-or-treating? I have no fucking idea. I know there's going to be kids out there. You and I would be the kids that take advantage of going trick-or-treating on Saturday and Sunday. Because um, there's going to be a lot of trick-or-treating mainly on Saturday uh, and then, you know, all the Mormons stay home and all the good stuff and as everything's as, closed on Saturday or Sundays. As long as they stay home and give out candy. That's fine. Yeah. But again, if it were you and me, we would take full advantage of the whole weekend of going and trick-or-treating and getting all that free candy. Rain, snow, or shine. Dude, yeah. I remember putting coats over my gypsy uh, costume just to go get candy. <laughs> Anywho... We're back for our Halloween episode with the thing. Well, all the things, we should say. It yes. is the thing, the movie, the thing. But it's going to include like uh, features of all of them. This is a listener recommendation. I had never seen any of these before. Uh, I think our 80s conversation brought it to boot from the Lost Boys. And they're like, hey, have you seen this 80s boot. movie? And I was like, heck no. So here we are. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. But before we dive into all the things, we need to announce our raffle winner. And I I don't know how to do like a crowd sound, so we should just a drum roll. I Um, can hear yours. You can't hear mine. Perfect. Uh, The winner is from Instagram. It's Mickey underscore Rose eighty six. Congratulations. Thanks for tar- thanks for participating. Thanks for participating. That's the <laughs> word I'm looking for. Damn dyslexia. And uh you're awesome. And you're you're gonna get some cool stuff. Uh Mickey Rose has I'm sorry, Mickey Rose eighty six has told us uh, he said asked him what his favorite Halloween movie or horror film was mm. and after many of little typing bubbles coming and going, <laughs> he ended up responding, uh, and I quote, for simplicity's sake, Halloween 1978. So John Carpenter's Halloween is his favorite. Uh, okay. I'm wondering if that's how he found us, is because we were doing Halloween movies. <laughs> That'd be really cool. I mean, like, hey, at least he knows that we can deep dive on fucking six halloween movies and we still have some others to do that we skipped for a reason and not to like get into his personal biz but uh on his instagram because i was creeping because he won uh he <laughs> well, at least you're honest a lot of really cool pictures of like myers masks and um i don't know he's got a whole cool horror vibe going go check out his instagram if you're into it um you other- sound like a badass Otherwise, uh, thank you. We'll have your stuff out to you shortly. And please, there will be another raffle at some point, and you guys can all participate. So don't miss out on all the fun and uh, surprises that you could get. And the only other thing that I wanted to talk about real quick is I just saw, I'm sure this is not new news, but it was new news to me, uh, that they're doing a Scream 5. Yes, they are. And uh, the trailer is out. I refuse to watch it because just like Halloween Kills, I don't want anything ruined for me. Um, Andy comes into the apartment and he's like, this movie looks fucking amazing. And he's like, have you seen the trailer? And I was like, no, not going to watch it. I'm too excited for this movie. I've been I've known it's in the works for like the last like almost two years. It 
it's supposed to come out January 14th of next year, uh, mm-hmm. which is like a B-rated spot. So that's weird. But maybe just like because of COVID and everything, they're just trying to find a, you know, a spot that wasn't taken already mm-hmm. with all the movies that are being pushed out. Uh, they're calling it just Scream. That's the title, just like the original, which some people are like, why? I don't, I'm sure there's a fancy reason, but I don't care. I'm sure we'll find out later when it comes closer to time for the release. Um, do you, the one question I have is, do you know if it's a continuation of the previous I, screams? I believe it is. If I remember correctly, they've got a lot of the old cast members still back. Okay. That was my one In, question. Yeah. So. Including like Neve Campbell and stuff. So they should be back. I hope they're back. That's what I've heard. And according to Andy and my horror buddies, my friends that I do everything with here, it looks fucking great. It looks really excited. They're really stoked for this. And that's all I can feel is because I'm not going to watch the trailer because I am pumped. I'm so excited. I love Scream and I'm cool with the franchise continuing if they do it okay. So we'll see. Does this mean we have to do a Scream smash? Yeah. Okay. Before January 14th. Ghostface is my... Well, okay, it doesn't have to be before January 14th. There's no (laughs) fucking chance there's four of them out right now. Plus, if you're going to include the spoofs, then we got to do Scary Movie. But I love Ghostface. I love Scream. It's one of my favorite fucking franchises. Ghostface is literally like spot on center of my arm, my forearm, because he's my favorite. He, I. (laughs) But those ones would be easy to to do a smash on because... That's my new word for that, by the way. Uh, Smash. A smash. Uh because unlike fucking Halloween that had 14 movies that none of them went together. No, none of them conceded. No, there was no consistency or anything like that with those. At least there's somewhat a pretty solid consistency it's, throughout all four of these. Yeah, it would be easy to start with movie one and then being like, okay, and then this one builds on this and this one builds on this. It would be yeah. far easier. It might be a long episode, but we could do it. <laughs> my my friends and I were talking about doing a cosplay for it or something like that because my... Uh, my buddy Colby and Shelby, they already do um, Sydney and Ghostface. And I was like, Andy, you could be the second Ghostface. And I could be, because there's two, spoiler alert, if you don't know about Scream. Um, <laughs> but then I was like, I'll be a, oh, I just blanked on her name. Peyton. I was, no. What's her name? Well, it's. um From which movie? Well, it's from Scream. Are you talking about the reporter? You could be the reporter. Winters. What's her name? Oh, I could be Weathers. I Weathers. don't really want to be uh, Gail Weathers. I was thinking, um, what's her bitch's face? It's not Peyton. Is it Peyton? It is Tatum. That's what I'm thinking of. Tatum. It's it's Rose McGowan. She's the one that gets killed in the uh, garage door. <laughs> her death is hilarious. Just, you just could just fun. walk around like a garage door because <laughs> because it's like it's like a she well she gets killed in like a she tries to crawl through like a doggy door that's inside of the garage door for some reason <laughs> and it lifts her up and she, it, anyways we'll go through that when scream happens but we're gonna have to talk about it because it's my favorite it's official we're kicking off the new year with a scream smash <laughs> oh actually that sounds like fun cool Anywho, back to the things. All the things. All the things. Every Um, bit of them. (laughs) So I was still prepared because I was like, yeah, we'll do that for our next episode. Thank you, listener. Thinking it was the thing, 1982. Turns out there are three things and then (laughs) like a whole fan base. So here we are. Yes, movie's popular. Uh, 
so the probably most well-known thing is the 1982 John Carpenter's The Thing. Also mm-hmm. did not know it was a John Carpenter movie until I watched it. And I was like, oh, look oh, at I, that, John Carpenter. I totally did. <laughs> Surprisingly, there's a lot of things that I had no idea were John Carpenter until I like got older. And then all of a sudden I was like, it literally says John Carpenter presents on most of his fucking movies. That's, that's what he does. <laughs> He's like a... One of the rappers does that at the beginning of their songs. Tayshawn, do we know? Like right before the song kicks off. <laughs> but it's they gotta remind everybody who's seeing that or who they're seeing and stuff because clearly uh, they don't remember. But anyways, the thing it was based on an original story called uh, "Who Goes There." by John W. Campbell Jr. and it was originally published back in 1938. It was a short story in a group of other short stories and it basically follows the same story as John Carpenter's The Thing. Uh, that was one of John Carpenter's like big things was he was like I kind of want to stick true to that book ish. Which is fair. Totally understandable. So for the book it's based in Antarctica uh, the group of American scientific researchers find a UFO, accidentally blow it up, trying to get it out of the ice, and th- along with it, they find an alien, and then a whole bunch of nonsense happens. So, with the thing... A whole bunch of nonsense. <laughs> no matter what version you're watching, or book you're reading, or anything, the plot lines are the exact same. Yep. Uh, a... Small, isolated camp, someplace really fucking cold and isolated, finds or happens upon or gets invaded by an alien type form that can morph into like a person or an animal or something. And then everyone gets super fucking suspicious of everybody. The alien takes people over. They all kill each other. And then... Inevitably, there's like one survivor who is like, I saved mankind, and then probably freezes to death. That's basically it. That's the summary. Uh, So that's what happens in the book. (laughs) Um, The big differences for the book is that the thing can read minds and project thoughts into others, making it even more difficult to identify which people are the things or not. They are, uh, the people in the camp are in constant contact with all the other local camps because they do like check-ins with each other, Uh, but to keep themselves isolated so that people from other camps don't get concerned and send like rescue parties, they pretend like everything's all hunky-dory when really they're just getting murdered. Which is the worst idea ever, but a lot of people seem to act that way. They like to, you know, be like, no, everything's fine. It's all fine. It's all fine. When their life is falling apart and it's like, um... The responses for some help. <laughs> the responses in this isolation film are far different than how people in the other isolation film we did uh, quarantine. Like in this group, they were like, "Listen, we would rather die than let this get out." And in that group, they were like, "Fuck y'all, I'm getting out. <laughs> Fuck the rest <laughs> of the world. Get me out of here." For real. And like these people are in Antarctica, and compared to like quarantine, which was like what downtown New York or something like that. Yeah, something like that. So, you know. Uh, There is a section of the book where to try and figure out who is this alien and who is not, they test 
people's blood by sticking like a hot wire in it. And if you're, if the blood responds via like the alien defensive system, then they kill that person instantly. Alien defensive system. <laughs> I, I don't know, their response, I guess. I love it. that. I No, I love it. No, it's the alien defensive system. system. I love it. It's um, beautiful. So in the book, there were 37 people on this camp. Uh, they only named 16 of the characters. And 14 of them get identified via that little blood test and murdered instantly. <laughs> so there's God like damn. a ha- half their camp. Um, and then there is a character named Dr. Blair. And it turns out that he was infected also, but he was isolated on his own within this camp. And he's building... Uh, what they called a nuclear-powered anti-gravity device so that he could escape Antarctica. There is no motive for these aliens in any of these movies because they don't talk as aliens. They always are pretending to be people. So it's not like they do this evil villain thing where they trap a human and then... Tell tell them their plan. Yeah, (laughs) tell them everything. Uh, You get none of that. At no point does anyone say, I am an alien. They just kind of happen to get found out or they turn into it and it eats people. Yeah. Uh, this book where, I'm sorry, who goes there is also considered an influence for Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1956, mm-hmm. Alien, 1979, Horror Express, 1972, lots of episodes of specific TV shows. And in 2006, Dark Horse Comics released a snap-together model kit of an alien meant to look like the alien described in the short story. Although if it's co- anything like the thing, then that's a probably a very hard puzzle to put together. So in the <laughs> book, the main form of the alien is, I think it's like purple with three red eyes kind of a thing. It's not, I don't think, as wild and crazy as the movie's. That would only make sense. <laughs> but I'm not, I I don't know for sure. I didn't read the book and I honestly didn't look into it that much. So who knows? If you know, let us know. In 1951, the very original thing came out after the story and it was called The Thing from Another World. Um, and uh, it's considered a loose adaptation to the original story, short story. So it's not like word verbatim of it but um this version takes place in alaska slash north pole kind of um and the aliens race they need animal blood to survive so it uses the blood sorry i was killing a bug um (laughs) so he uses the blood to feed like the seed pod things in his body okay so the alien uses the blood to feed like the seed pod things that it has in his body. Um, and he's using it to create an army of like alien invaders. So uh, I, <laughs> you want to know what I think of? I think of a uh, Racket Ralph with all those bugs that are planted in the, uh, the game. That's basically kind of what it is. They, one of the characters in that movie even takes some of those seed things from the original body and tries to like grow them on his own because the storyline is that he thinks there's a way to communicate with them, uh, but everybody else is like, you're stupid and you're going to get us all killed. <laughs> but yeah, that's what uh, I was thinking of too. You guys. Yeah. Surprisingly, this uh, 
surprisingly. Um, but this is on the National Film Preservation List, so it it stood out. It um, made an impression. That's what I'm looking for. I think it's Turner Classic Movies, TCM, did a... They used to do... They probably still do, actually. They used to do these interviews where they would bring on a guest... The person would pick a movie to watch from this like list of old school movies that are, I don't know, protected and iconic, and mm. then talk about it. And John Carpenter was actually requested as a guest. He yeah. chose to do the thing from another world. And so you can watch this on, I think, uh, whatever station does Turner Classic. Um, I would not know. <laughs> but yeah, so John Carpenter comes on and talks about this this movie as an influence it was one of his favorite movies as a kid which makes sense of why he wants to like why he wanted to do it or had an urge to do it i guess um but this one was directed by christian neeby night neeby neeby um could be either don't really know this is really his first big work um but also it uh the other director is howard hawks um so there's like this big controversy actually. Uh, so they argue over, they both lay claim to having directed this movie. Um, and then people have said, oh no, like I was there, Christian Ivey did all the directing. And other people come out and say, well, I was there and Howard Hawks did all the directing. And so there's this big controversy about it. And when Nyby was asked in an interview, he said, uh, did Hawks direct it? That's one of the most insane and ridiculous questions I've ever heard. And people keep asking that it was Hawks style. Um, this is not what he said. This is me explaining. Uh, so I guess Howard Hawks has a very specific filming style. And that's one of the things that John Carpenter loved about it. He's a big fan of Hawks. And so that's part of why people are like, oh, it's definitely a Howard Hawks film. But then Nyby goes on to say, of course it was. This is a man I studied and wanted to be like. You could certainly emulate and copy the master you're sitting under, which I did. Anyway, if you're taking painting lessons from Rembrandt, you don't take the brush out of the master's hands. So Nyby is saying, like, I loved this guy. I learned from him. It's influenced by him. Obviously, it's going to look like his, but... I did it, not him. (laughs) Yeah, but then Hawks is like, I definitely had a part in this. So some people say... Nyby directed, but Hawks produced. So, I don't know. It's a controversy. They both probably played equal parts in it to, in the end, and it's turned out a good movie. So there you go. Uh, the screenplay was written by Charles Lederer, I think. Lederer, led led. It's a E R E R er er is always a throwing off thing for me. Uh, but he also wrote the screenplay for the original Ocean's Eleven and a lot of other stuff. So, um, you know, he's he's got some stuff under his sleeve that he knows about. Um, Kenneth Toby acted, and the only reason I mentioned like that he's mentioned is because he is in the Gremlin. He's in the Gremlins um, as tiny little parts, but he's in one and two. Um, the thing was played by actor James Arnez, who is also in a lot of, uh, like, westerns, including Gunsmoke and some of John Wayne's movies. So, yeah, I, I would he... like to know that. Or know him. <laughs> I think he was one of the more known characters, actors yeah. at the time. 
there's like to be honest a lot of the characters in there have a lot of movies but they're all black and white old school a lot of them are westerns Mm -hmm. so we don't really need to talk about those (laughs) (laughs) the movie ends with a reporter who that was tagging along who's just kind of sending on his story through the radio and just telling it as is a fun fact there's a character named dr Voorhees. (laughs) i know I, i saw that and i was like random <laughs> well okay oh. um according to the fan to a fandom page the last line of the film is watch the skies it was a working title for the film that would become close encounters of the third kind which is one of my favorite alien movies that i watch with my dad a lot it's a good one a sequel to that film was then considered that would have been titled watch the skies except for this time with a malevolent uh, aliens kind of terrorizing a family or a farm family and the film projected or the film project eventually became uh, E.T. which is a not scary alien film. <laughs> E.T. came out the same time and year as John Carpenter's The Thing actually. Oh interesting okay so yeah. this was all done really quickly according to this fandom page. It's the site or it's cited as the reason that John Carpenter's The Thing did not initially have like a huge response um, and it's hmm. considered more like a cult kind of a following now because it got overshadowed by the release of E.T. Interesting okay um, William Self who portrayed Corporal Barnes uh, in the film is later becomes the president of the 20th century Fox television so he gained, he went from an actor to fucking like CEO <laughs> and he was if I remember correctly, Corporal Barnes is the one who causes the ice block to dethaw in this version. So he has like a small part because he's probably one of the first people killed um, just going off of movies. Uh, so he, yeah, he went from like a tiny thing to pretty big stuff. Yeah. They also have a stuntman who did a full burn in this. And uh, one of, <sighs> I can't imagine what that's like to actually have like real fire on you. <laughs> So this was one of the first full burns right. ever to be done, which is probably even scarier because you don't know exactly how it's going to fucking work. Yeah. And I'm sure not that like safety was less back then. They just had less technology for safety. So it was probably literally <laughs> just this guy in a thick ass suit. And they're like, hey, we're going to light you on fire and then we'll instantly hose you down and just pray. <laughs> and he was like, uh, OK. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine what that was like. Um, also, the first undisputed expedition to research the North Pole was that of the airship Nor- Norg. Is it supposed to be Norg, like Rogue, or I don't know? Stop asking me how to pronounce stuff because I don't know. <laughs> I, ho- I hope you know because I never know. I can't read any better than you can. <laughs> that's, that's why I always ask you. So I'm like, do you know better than me? Normally, you do. You're smarter than me. Um. <laughs> but this airship flew over the area in 1926 with 16 men on board, including the expedition leader, Ronald um, Amundsen. And in 1909 or 1908, kind of in between that, a couple of groups actually thought they had, a, they had, but they didn't. Yeah, I was reading some articles because I was like, well, wouldn't that be interesting to figure out who actually discovered the North Pole? And... There was two articles that came out like roughly the same time of two totally different expedition groups that claimed to have found the North Pole. 
and you know they weren't using technology and they were using like sextants and stuff to find it uh, and it turns out that both of them did not reach the North Pole uh, but there's like pictures and I was like why would you do that you look miserable <laughs> you're just cold as fuck <laughs> I don't know why yeah man for people for people that grew up in the cold I, I still live in the cold for like seven months out of the year most actually more than that like nine months out of the year but um <laughs> I can't imagine what it would be like out there. I would not enjoy that. Well, and they were using indigenous peoples to help navigate and stuff like that. Some people are just built of tougher stuff than I. Yeah, I agree. But that's that's the original, the first one. 1951. And then we get into the most well-known and probably considered like the original original uh, John yeah. Carpenter's The Thing from 1982. Whoop, whoop. And he intentionally tried not to just remake the original movie. Um, he wanted it to be based off the book, but also like an original adaptation. This was considered his first uh, feature film from the studio. Uh, that's what he said in the interview with Turner Classic Movies. And which is also why he chose to do that one movie. Uh, he loved the movie originally because he is a big, I guess, a big fan of that hawk style. So that's what he that's what he stuck to. In the movie Halloween, the 1978 version, one of the big things is Tommy watching a scary movie. And I think Lindsay's watching one too. And I don't yeah. know if we identified it when we did the episode, I can't remember, but I remember wondering what in the hell they were watching. They were watching the 1951 movie, The Thing from Another World. That was John Carpenter throwing a little, how you doing at that movie? Just little bits and pieces of like, hey, this is me and I love this movie, so we're going to put it right here. <laughs> exactly. And there are also clips of it, including included in the 2007 and 2009 Halloween and Halloween 2. So Rob Zombie's Halloweens. Those are good. That's cool that he pulled out those like little details to include. Yeah. But enough of Halloween. Except for today because it's Halloween. But anyway. Happy Halloween! In John Carpenter's version of The Thing, the alien can absorb the host's personalities and memories along with their bodies. Remember that, because I'm going to talk about it later when we get into theories. But they are not telepathic like the creatures that are in the book. The alien is already released by the time it gets to this camp that John Carpenter features. And it comes in the form of a dog. A very sweet looking dog. He is such a handsome yeah. dog. Um, and it starts out with this dog getting chased and shot at by a helicopter of people who don't speak any English. And you're just like, what the fuck is happening? And then it's a really, it's a really confusing start. And then it uh, jumps right into it's a monster thing. But I watched the 2011 prequel first. And then That's I watched smart. the thing the John Carpenter's 82 version. So it was less of a shock. <laughs> but I mean um, that makes sense. But it was 
Yeah, I can't imagine like watching that movie for the first time and be like, "What the fuck is happening?" And then this guy like lands his helicopter and just immediately blows blows up. I think the helicopter and the uh, pilot trying to kill a dog, yeah. <laughs> and then shoots somebody. <laughs> and I'm like, "He seriously, yeah, this guy's a mess." <laughs> but anyway, uh, so they are from a u.s camp i think it's called outpost 31 in antarctica um the helicopter is from a norwegian camp that's nearby but like not really it's close enough to investigate but far enough away to not really have any communication with them on a regular basis and then right there is kind of where it picks up and it goes into where the book is. Uh, the pathologist Dr. Blair figures out that the aliens can like become the people they are consuming in a way and so he starts to isolate himself thinking that he it's up to him to like save mankind and then he goes crazy and they find him and isolate him by himself. The rest of the crew catch on to the invasion plot and start to get suspicious of each other and they all kind of go a little insane Kurt Russell, who is kind of the main <laughs> character and yeah. the pilot at the camp, figures out a test with a hot wire and blood samples, which identifies which ones have been invaded. Uh, and they are able to kind of rule out people. I think they take out like two or three people during that little test. Um, there's only three left, including Dr. Blair after that. So when they go to test Dr. Blair, they find out that he has been invaded and that he was building that same little escape pod out of helicopter parts that we talked about were in the book. Uh, they don't specify it as well as the book does. They just kind of show you this little baby UFO that he was building. Baby UFO. <laughs> um, he built it pretty damn fast, by the way. He like tunneled into this big ass space and... Built. He's an alien man. Who knows how fast? Who knows what technology they have compared to us? That's true. I guess he could have <laughs> used special alien parts i don't know i don't know, I don't know. it makes sense i, I can't disagree. i'm trying to give <laughs> the benefit of the doubt here I, yeah i can't argue it uh so the remaining three decide that it is now up to them to blow up the whole camp risking themselves to keep the world safe and then it ends with kurt russell and one other character named childs they are alive and basically doomed to freeze to death in the snow a little bit of shining there <laughs> yeah it's um, I mean, that's the plot. That's that's it. Yeah. The graveyard is everybody. They all die. <laughs> yep. Nobody gets to live. And the screenplay for this was written by Bill Lancaster. Kurt Russell, Ooh. as we've said, played the main pilot. Uh, McReady. And Wilford Brimley plays, uh, I believe he plays Dr. Blair. Yeah. Um, he was born in Salt Lake City, Utah in 1934. And unfortunately, he died August of 2020 in St. George. Well, at least he uh, started in Salt Lake and ended just a little south in the same state. <laughs> in a warm place. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, one of the actors, T.K. Carter, plays Nalls. Um, he was a voice for one of the monsters in the 1996 Space Jam version. Monsters. Sorry, I love that movie. <laughs> That's true. You're right. You're right. Uh, the dog that's getting shot at at the beginning this was his first film that he was ever in his, 
His name is Jed. And after this movie, he went on to be the star of Disney's White Fang movies. Oh, interesting. Keith David is Childs, who's like the final survivor with mm-hmm. Kurt Russell. He broke his hand just before filming. He's in a lot of other stuff. I didn't yeah. take note of any of that stuff. You'd recognize him if you saw him. But he broke his hand like right before filming this movie, showed up on set, having not been treated yet. They sent him to the hospital. He got treated. And so for this movie, he had to wear a glove with uh, that was like painted or something um, to hide hmm. it, his cast. Well, it's a good thing that they were in the cold, so at least you're wearing gloves in the first place. That's true. A lot of mittens. Because, fuck, I'd have like seven pairs of gloves on. When we went snowboarding in Utah, my hands would freeze. My hands are always cold, let's be honest here. But nevertheless, my hands would always freeze, and I had to get like the warmest gloves, and I tripled down, and it still didn't work with worse shit. Once I switched from gloves to mittens, my hands were never cold again. It was fantastic. I did the mint. I did the mitten gloves, mm-hmm. so they have like this the little slots. But yeah, those made all the fucking difference in the it world. It does. It's weird. It's crazy. I don't know. I remember I stole your mom's pair once from you, and I was like, "These are life changing." Exact. That's the same way I was. Because as a as a kid, you think mittens are for babies. Like Connor refuses to wear mittens, and I'm like, "Dude, they're so warm. They're so much warmer." Um, and then once I discovered, because I also put my mom's on, and I was like, "These." are magic do you remember the pair that i had duct taped for like two years because i didn't want to get new ones and i loved them so much they were the first pair of mitten ones i had duct tape doesn't hold in heat nope it didn't they sucked i ended up getting new pair but anywho back to the movie yeah but yeah that's a good point they could have just had him wear like winter gloves the whole time and they've been fine yeah uh, there is a 1998 feature-length documentary called The Thing, Terror Takes Shape, which is funny because it's called The Shape in Halloween. I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, you can find this on Shout Factory's 2016 Collector's Edition Blu-ray release. Um, I believe it's also on Amazon for purchase or renting, but I don't know for sure. Uh, But on there, there is an alternate ending, or they talk about an alternate ending that did get filmed, which gave a more um, hopeful and, like, definitive ending. There is hope for the universe. (laughs) Yeah, because at the end of the movie, you kind of don't know whether Childs and McGrady are going to live or if they're infected because they're both kind of, like, suspicious of each other. Uh, you don't get... I mean, shit, I would be too. <laughs> I know. Really, though. But yeah, you don't get a definitive ending. So they thought, well, I guess we could give one. And in this alternate ending, McGrady is rescued and confirmed through a test to still be human. And I guess they were just like, fuck childs. So <laughs> I don't know what happened with him. But all right, uh, being john carpenter genius that he is he said no let's leave it ambiguous and i think that was a great choice it it always leaves the curiosity and keeps it in your head and so you always remember it that's true like you think about it uh the visual effects artist peter curran described how he did the title sequence in this little documentary and he said that he first drew the design of the title on an animation cell i don't know what that is which he placed behind a fish tank that had been filled with smoke and then covered with a trash bag, which they lit on fire 
which made it like reveal the title that way. <laughs> All three films have that same like burning title sequence. Uh, it's hmm. considered very Hawkian, I guess. So I thought that was cool that they kept that. That is that is cool. The exterior shots for this were filmed in Alaska and British Columbia. Makes the, sense. The inside shots of Outpost 31 were filmed on a soundstage, which they built and then intentionally kept freezing in, uh, I think, California. That would have been fucking hard first off, but like, damn. That air conditioning fee was probably just... Probably, yeah. Astronaut. As That's much where, as the fucking movie costs. Yeah, that was 90% of their budget was just keeping it cold. Dude, I can't imagine. The man who designed the main monster character, um, I believe it's the doctor who becomes like that weird spider thing. Yeah. Uh, his name was Rob Botton, and he was only 22 when he got hired for this. He Damn. He worked with Carpenter on The Fog at age 21. Oh, okay. Yeah. And he says that he basically lived on set for a year while this was being filmed because he just wanted to get it right so badly. And then Carpenter was like, dude, you look horrible. Go to the hospital. Um, and he was diagnosed with, like, exhaustion. <laughs> Poor um, guy. But one of the things that I really like about reading the background of this movie is it sounds like John Carpenter legitimately tries to take care of the people that he works with. <laughs> Yeah, from from like all the movies that I've ever read about him and stuff, it seems like he like the the actors like him because mm-hmm. he cares. So I mean, he tries to like hey. build relationships with people and take care of. Them. Well, no wonder he's doing so good with fucking. I almost said Julia Roberts with fucking Jamie, Jamie Curtis. Curtis. Yeah, and uh, there was a drawing contest done by Fangoria Magazine before this movie came out and they requested that readers design what they think the monster alien thing would look like and in 2018 they actually posted the winning drawing of that competition on their instagram oh interesting yeah i would go look for it but to be honest that sounds like a lot of work i'm sure it's a shit ton of scrolling but um the winner was supposed to get like a free trip to Universal Studios and it was not included like in the movie or at all. Um, but that would have been cool if that had That would have been way cool. But the monster things, the alien creatures in this movie are so unique. I love the way they They're so it. weird, yeah. <laughs> They're creepy as fuck. Like when the head Oh, that's an iconic scene that everybody's fucking scared of. <laughs> it is so awesome. And then the creepy-ass spider thing. Oh, this It's thing. very unique. It's super unique. Yeah. And that's what... I think that's why a lot of people also like it, too, is because, like, there's not another fucking monster that's like that. And each part is able to, like, break off and become its own little being. It's wild. Yeah. You see that in the 2011 one. They did a great job continuity-wise for the characters, um, because even though in the 2011 version they have more technology, there's not that big of a difference. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm sure there is. Like, if you get really nitpicky, but they didn't overdo like CGI and. Right. Yeah, it's good. They did a good job. But, but but speaking of the 2011 thing, we should talk about that. 
So, the newest one, latest one that was created, and up until we'll talk about in a minute, um, it came out in 2011, and it's well. Let's just let's just start this off by saying Carpenter has not really accepted this movie as canon, um, or so that we've read. Can't so you know, this is kind of just the way that the new director wanted to build a prequel from the first or from the 83 one. <laughs> Carpenter talks about this movie the same way he talks about those other Halloween movies where he's like, he's... I'm not a fan of it really, but uh, I wasn't included in it. So that's probably why. <laughs> yeah. It's like if they had included me. <laughs> All right. I'm going to butcher this name because uh, the director's name is very hard to pronounce. I believe it's Norwegian. I it's so I think it's Matthias maybe there's a J in it and it makes it really confusing. <laughs> uh, Mathis Van Heidingen Jr. Uh, let's see if I can fucking do a well, pronunciation. She, I was gonna say she's gonna look up a Google pronunciation and I will continue where she left off. So this is this guy's first directed film. He said that for this movie, he was inspired by the movie Alien, which we said previously had been inspired or supposedly been inspired by the book. So I guess there's that there. And the screenplay for this was written by Eric Heiserer. Heiserer? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, he wrote the screenplay for Bird Box, Arrival, Lights Out, Final Destination 5, The 2010 Nightmare on Elm Street. He's done some pretty big projects. Fucking A. Yeah, he has. Um, oh. By the way, pronunciation really quick. Apparently, this is Dutch. Matthias Van Heijenen Jr. Um, I cannot keep up with this pronunciation thing. And it's... Um, nope, I don't know. It's Matthias. The first one is Matthias. So I got that one right. Then it's Van and... Hagen thing, Junior. Sorry, we're um, stupid Americans who can't read other people's the way, English. The way it's pronounced is so hard that I don't even know how to actually pronounce it, like, in my own tongue. In my own tongue. <laughs> I know that. I know that sounds really dumb. Miscellaneous side note: I burnt the shit out of my tongue the other day. Because you know how your tongue doesn't necessarily scab? Hainingen? But I feel like, like it, that. it has a scab on it, and it feels so weird. But your it, tongue? Yeah. Oh, interesting. Sorry that I butchered his name, but nevertheless, he's a great director, and he did awesome. Matthijs van Heiningen Junior. See? <laughs> I told you it's too hard. I, I feel like... Are, I think that were just recorded, so everyone can hear it. Uh, Matthijs van Heijenen Junior. Matthijs van Heijenen Junior. That's it in Dutch. There. there. Yeah. Um, Dutch American. <laughs> so we're gonna just continue on. Uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Uh, she's play plays Kate. The the thing I I recognize her most from is um, the Final Destination three. She's uh, the She's the one that has the premonition. I recognize her the most from Sky High as Gwen. That's why we are two different Fuck, people. Fuck, dude, yes! <laughs> <laughs> She's also, like, 
She's the Huntress in Birds of Prey. She's in Scott Pilgrim versus the World as Ramona Flowers. She's in Black Christmas, Final Destination 3, Sky High. She's in a lot of stuff. And she's a pretty great actress. Joel Ed- Edgerton played Carter, who was the almost survivor at the end. He plays Uncle Owen in Star Wars Episode 3 and 2. That's all I re- He's in a shit ton of other stuff, too, but that. Those are the only ones I can. Main remember. ones, yeah. <laughs> There's also Eric Christian Olsen who plays Adam Finch, and uh, he's you've seen him in Fired Up, which is hilarious, and Dumb and uh, Dumb and Dumber, the the prequel. He's in a lot of stuff too, but those are the only ones that we care about. <laughs> yeah. This movie is set at Antarctica, winter 1982, in the Norwegian base, and it's the same base that gets investigated in. John Carpenter's The Thing by Kurt Russell character and uh, the doctors and stuff. Yeah. They do a really good job of following along with the set like um, that the U.S. group stumbled upon in the John Carpenter's thing. It's pretty cool to see that because I, I didn't know that it was a prequel, to be honest. I had no idea. And so I was like, wait, what? Yeah, so Tyler, when I was like, oh, we're going to watch The Thing. And he was like, oh, well, which one? And I was like, oh, shit, there's more than one. <laughs> and Fuck. then... He was like, well, the newer one is, and I was like, well, Katie said the original one's better. And he's like, okay, well, the newer one is like a prequel. And I was like, oh. See, I didn't know that, so. He's like, okay, well, let's just watch that one first. So I'm glad I watched that one first, because then watching this one, one, I knew what the fuck was going on. But two, I was like, oh, look at that. Look at that detail. Look at that detail. So it was cool to do it that way. I think you could watch them either direction and they would be fine, but. I appreciated those little things that they did. Hmm. But I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> so, um, with, like, this set, they keep, like, the room that the ice block is in, the ice block itself, the axe in the wall, um, and, like, the filming of events, they kind of keep that all the same way, which is kind of cool. And something that you don't always see when somebody's trying to make a prequel or stuff like that. So, that's... Yeah, kudos, kudos to the to the director on that one. Because even in Halloween, the Halloween Kills, they talk about how they put so much effort into rebuilding the same sets from the '78 version, but I didn't recognize them. I was like, "Are you sure that's what it looked like?" But in this one, like watching the thing and having them go to the base, I was like, "Oh, that looks like the exact same fucking staircase, and that block of ice looks literally the same." So it was really cool to see the. For it being a Norwegian base, there was, what, five or six Norwegian guys, and then the rest were American. and Or, or British or something. And only yeah. one of them didn't speak English, and that was just because he ends up being the one who shoots the who's dog. Who's a badass. Yeah. Who's, who's trying to shoot the dog at the end, because in the original, he can't speak English at all. So they were like, well, I guess we should explain that by having one guy who doesn't yeah. speak any English. Exactly. But this one follows an American paleontologist, her name is Kate, who is recruited to evaluate and help remove this thing that was found in a block of ice by the Norwegian rescue team. That's all she knows. She's not given any other fucking explanation. And she, they're like, we need to know right now. And they're like, we leave tomorrow. And it's like, what? Okay, She's let like, me just pack up my life really quick. Um, first off, I don't even have a passport. It takes two to three weeks to get one of those. <laughs> You mean months? <laughs> but yeah, she's um, like, "What can you tell me?" And he's like, "Nothing." She's yeah. Like, uh, so 
the other dude's like, but it's cool. Just come. She's like, am I about to? He's like, well, now you're caught up with me. It's all I know, and I'm going, so you should go. Yeah, I know. (laughs) It's like, okay, good reasoning. Leap of faith. Um, it's pretty much the same story, except they identify the infected by their lack of inorganic material. So, um, like earrings, they couldn't recreate. Uh, fillings were the main thing, like like the teeth fillings, which. Hell yeah, you would know if I was a fucking alien or not, because I had a lot of cavities as a child. Not to brag. (laughs) What I love is the one guy who's like, now I'm being punished just because I floss? I know. (laughs) I thought about that too. I was like, wow, there you go. Um, But that was an interesting idea to pull from that with the inorganic material. But unfortunately, we don't see what happens to Kate or if anyone finds her frozen or any of that, but we do get to see that Lars survives and kills himself in a stupidly uh, action via shooting a- an explosive. <laughs> yeah. Cause Lars is the one who sh- chases the dog and then gets killed by the Americans. Cause he shoots one of them on accident. The, the like two big continuity things that threw me off uh, one, the inorganic materials thing, the 1982 version that's mm-hmm. not a thing in there. So I kept looking. Right. Uh, Childs wears an earring. So I kept looking to be like, oh, yeah, he's still wearing an earring. Um, he's good. But they never, that's not a thing in that movie. So, uh, and John Carpenter has not been like, oh, yeah, that's canon. That works. And so yeah. we don't know. Although it does hold. I think the doc, uh, he does have an earring at the beginning. And then when he starts getting pulled apart, he doesn't have one in anymore. Um, which I would not have noticed if I hadn't watched that first one. Uh, the other thing is Kate and Carter. Unless Kate drives off because you don't see what happens to her at the end. You just see her get into the fucking vehicle and just sit there. Yeah, she. so when they go in the 80 version, they find the big block of UFO or something to that effect. Uh, but they don't see Kate at all or the truck or anything like that they don't see any of that so you don't know what happens to her i'm assuming she probably just froze to death but more than likely uh, the other thing that did not make sense to me and maybe you have an idea okay in the 1980 the thing when they go exploring the norwegian camp they find the mm-hmm. guy who was supposed to be transmitting the radio Mm-hmm. Uh, because the radios were down nobody could get a hold of anybody during these movies yeah he had killed himself at the radio uh-huh does it show that in the 2011 version that he killed himself not that i remember i think it shows him dead but i don't fuck i literally just watched it last night and all of a sudden i can't think about it um i don't believe you see it okay i couldn't remember if he if it showed like made a point to show him because it's in that new one or not or in the old one or not but also how unfortunate that he just like felt so hopeless that he was just like fuck it (laughs) yeah dude not have any know-how and you're just like i don't want to keep this going i'm just gonna do this now i can't imagine but yeah that's it that was the movie yeah so that's the movies there was a video game released in 2002 called Aftermath, which, you know, found some places where Carpenter was, like, given a thumbs up for this to be canon. So, 
it's considered it's questionable <laughs> yeah it's considered like the sequel to his 1982 version yeah um and i think i don't know if he was just like yeah i like that way that story went or if he would legitimately was like yes this is what happened in my head like if i were going to remake it this is what would have happened yeah so but i guess he so liked it, it. Mm-hmm. yeah uh, in this, a team of uh, a team shows up three months after the events of 1982 at the U.S. Outpost 31, which has been obliterated, um, and they find all the records left behind and the frozen body of Childs. Uh, meanwhile, another team is looking into the Nor- Norwegian camp, and they find out that it is all part of a major research research project that is funded to create a biological weapon called the Cloud Virus, uh, which they want to be weaponized. Of course. Um, yeah, so, you know, world domination and uh, death, it's fine. Probably Hydra's behind it. <laughs> uh, one of the group members is immune randomly. So, you know, lucky that person, I guess. Um, but the main character escapes the whole thing and is rescued by a helicopter, which is being piloted by RJ McReady. And I don't know if they're supposed to, if they're insinuating that McReady is one of the things and that's how he didn't freeze to death with Childs. Or... Like, ah, I'm alive, bitches, if he with an just, alien. Yeah, or if he just happened to survive. I don't know. They don't really... I'm sure it explains it in the game, but I didn't um, read that far. But yeah, it sounds yeah. Like, it, like it would make a badass movie, if I'm honest. Yeah. There's a lot of the things in there that they kill because it's a video game and you have to fight stuff. Um, yeah. But it has like this whole... So in addition to a video game... Uh, there is a full extended novel manuscript from the original author of the short story that was found many moons ago, and it was published in 2019, and it's called Frozen Hell. And this is the version that Jason Blum of Blumhouse is trying Ooh. to... Yeah, they have announced that they're going to reboot the thing using this mm-hmm. as their premise. It was announced in 2022... I haven't seen a release date for it yet. It was announced in 2020. I'm you sorry. Said 22. <laughs> I was looking at the two twos. <laughs> yeah, I, it's a, yeah, I know. <laughs> and um, yeah, it does say John Carpenter will be involved. Not doesn't say like to what extent, um, or if he's just like being like, oh yeah, that's a cool um, script. It, it, so. it better keep that opening burning letters sequence then. <laughs> I would assume so. I feel like that's pretty much like Blum, Blumhouse does great, so I would assume they would keep the continuity of it. Yeah, but much like the Halloween franchise, the title sequences are really what tie them all together. Um, so yeah, like, man, they did fucking great with those. Sorry. I, yeah, I would <laughs> hope that this one continues that. It's a cool title sequence. And there is also I just found this today on accident. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a full-length movie that came out this year and you can find it on Facebook. It's like some small production company from Portugal. Oh. They made a full-length movie called The Thing Returns. I think it's supposed to be like a fan film. That's what the comments called it. I don't know. It makes sense. Uh but in this film, a team from another neighboring station like happens upon this U.S. Outpost 31, and then uh, it just probably everything happens again from there. So dun, I'm going to post... Dun, dun. Sorry. 
I'm going to post the link to it in our show notes on our uh, social media. Go yeah. watch it. The comments for it have been pretty good so far. I like didn't I thought it was a trailer so I clicked on it and it turned out to be the full length movie <laughs> um, <laughs> but it the cinematography was really good I think they actually filmed it in like Antarctica or someplace really that snowy. would be fucking cold um, but it looks really good actually so I'm gonna watch it and I'll let you all know how it is but I also go watch it yourselves if you're a fan of the thing the other thing is uh, watching the 1982 version, there's a line in there where someone is like, uh, there's an imposter, it is Among Us, or something like that, and instantly, because my kid, I have an eight-year-old. <laughs> I have an eight-year-old. That should just explain it all, but I was like, holy fuck, is this what the game Among Us is based on? It, I don't know if it's intentionally based off that, but everybody <laughs> has linked these two films together, or the game and that so film So it's it's together. unconfirmed, but it's loosely based on it from everybody else's think Every, thought. Everybody else says it is. <laughs> um, but it's the same premise. Like, everybody looks the same, and you have to figure out who the imposter is, except the imposter doesn't, like, take over the people. It just kills them. <laughs> that was fun for me to see, because um, I was like, oh, look at me making connections and then it turned out the rest of the world made that connection years ago but that's yeah I've, I've never played that game to be honest so i'm proud of myself and <laughs> last but not least theories about the 1982 the thing so from a fandom it's the fan theories on wiki one theory suggests that um uh, but the alcohol that they were drinking at the end of the film while kind of like succumbing to everything that was going on um they think it was <laughs> They think it was actually gasoline for, like, a Molotov cocktail. And so they were just killing themselves. But this would be a way to determine which of them was really human. Um, you know, to see which one of them doesn't notice the difference. So one of them knows the taste of alcohol while one of them doesn't, per se. This means that Childs was really the thing. Which is supported by how he lied about Blair's whereabouts and all that good stuff. Um... All McCready can do is kind of sit there and just accept the, the mutually assured destruction of himself and the thing. This is usually regarded as one of the best like fan theories out there. So, unconfirmed, but more than likely, this is what could have been. <laughs> no, not more than likely, this is what could have been. This is absolutely not what happened. Uh, th I don't think that this fan theory makes sense, and a lot of people have poked holes in it. I think just a lot of people are like, oh yeah, I could see that. Uh, one, you can, I guess you can make Molotov cocktails out of whiskey as well. So people are like, no. It would make sense to use alcohol. I've seen enough people use fucking alcohol. They do it in fucking Nightmare on Elm Street, the remake. Sorry. <laughs> and two, uh, the imposter thingy. No, I'm going to call it as an imposter because I just thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> I called um, it a mimic. I think it's a mimic. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, the thing, mimic imposter, the mick monster. Mick monster. <laughs> it takes on the, not only the looks, but the memories and the associations and everything. of Personality the pers and stuff, yeah. Yeah, so it would remember the taste of alcohol. Yeah, exactly. So that doesn't make sense. One of the other things for that I read was that 
if this were true, uh, Childs, this wouldn't tell you that Childs is the thing. It would actually mean that he is human because, no, wait. No, it ar does argue that he is the thing because if it's passed through something as simple as saliva, then he would not want to drink it because he could become taken by something. So that was right. kind of like a moment of trust. He was saying, I guess I trust that you're not the thing, so I'll drink this drink. And they were like, shots, 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 shots. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't, I don't like that. I think it's stupid. It does look like they're testing each other at the end. Like, they're super suspect. <laughs> yeah, but, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure all of us would be too, so. There's literally nothing they can do at that point, so. Whatever. And there's also a Reddit fan theory from Don't Waste Ink. And he, she, they believe that there are actually two versions of the alien floating around this camp. And their theory is basically that there are two things and that they are kind of battling each other by terrorizing this camp and trying to make it so like only one of them survives. Uh, here's how it goes. It's kind of a complex one, so I'm going to try and base it like... Uh, Barney style it, but we'll see. So. <laughs> you got this. Okay. Uh, okay. So the dog is considered thing one. It licks the meteorologist, George Benning, on the face when he first arrives. And so George Bennings becomes infected. Hey. Bennings then drinks from McGrady's bottle of scotch shortly after and so basically, you see McGrady drink from that same bottle, which means that he is also infected at that point. Okay. McGrady, McGrady, I don't know how do you say that, uh, also infected Dr. Blair because he shares with him a drink at some point. And that is kind of supported because the doctor goes from being like fucking crazy to now he's just I love side note he's like I'm all better now and there's like a noose hanging right next to him I know <laughs> that he created it's like everything's fine it's like that's not <laughs> that's fine nothing about that is okay uh but yeah and then the next scene is him being like totally normal and calm and collected and clean and he's wearing new clothes and he's like totally fine because uh, one of the ways they could tell if someone's been taken over is that their clothes are all shredded and they're wearing new clothes so like changing of clothes is a big deal and so in response to a confrontation with one of the norwegian scientists a search party is sent out to the norwegian station so that's how the movie starts and one of the remains of the the imposter mimic researcher guys like the first one that they encounter and burn in the 2011 movie, he gets brought back to the American base and that's where they do the testing. And so they consider that thing two. Not to be confused with Dr. Seuss's thing one and thing two. <laughs> it's then that a sled dog transforms and takes out all the other poor bubbies. And Aww. that's how that camp figures out that, that whole bullshit's going on. And so now there's two different things floating around. 
So, they explaining that McGrady passed the test, the blood with the wire in it, by saying his version of the thing doesn't have that uh, like reactivity to heat, that defensive mechanism. Mm. <laughs> his is against that, which is why he was doing that test because he was like wow this doesn't matter to me but then the other thing the thing too because it's the original one it is more sensitive to it i guess so that's how he was able to eliminate all the thing two things all the things of two all the things uh hmm. then they say that in the ending mcgrady infected childs by sharing his drink and then they would freeze together so that whenever they dethought again they could work together to take over or do all of this is mccready's fault <laughs> yeah the dog the dog well yeah yeah uh, my issues with this is that if mccready infected blair why would he want to destroy the escape pod that blair made they were technically on the same side. Ah, my other question. <laughs> it's a race. It's a race. Um, <laughs> fucking, you would. <laughs> it's from Rat Race for all those. We used to watch that it. movie for so. Wow, we used to watch that movie camping like every time. It's a good one. It's so funny. <laughs> I'm prairie dogging it here. God no. Anyway. Okay, so Kurt Russell, thing, back to him. Yeah. The other thing is the dog is the same thing as the being that they brought from the first camp. So unless it mutated really fucking fast, there's no reason there would be two different versions. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're from the same source. So yeah. I, that didn't make sense to me. The whole comp. Like, unless there could only be one, it didn't make sense. Your thoughts. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I feel, feel like everything's been said, but, like, I, I don't really like either of these theories. <laughs> I agree. None so. Of, neither of them, to me, are really like, aha! So. Yeah, it's not something that's like, ding, light bulb. It's, yes. it's more just like a, nah, I don't think so. Yeah. There's too much thinking involved, and there's not enough. Oh, okay, that makes sense. Oh, that connects. So, yeah, it's stretching. There's too much yeah. stretching. I can only yeah. stretch so far. I'm there's not... a lot. There's a lot. I can barely touch my toes. I can't stretch that far. <laughs> uh, Kurt Russell did weigh in on this, and he says that he does not agree with this theory, and he uh -huh. is quoted in an interview with Huffington Post for a different movie. He says, John Carpenter and I worked on the ending of that movie together a long time. We were both bringing the audience right back to square one. At the end of the day, that was the position these people were in. They just didn't know anything, said Russell. So that kind of goes back into why you might want to watch the 82 version first, just because it starts out and you're immediately like, what the fuck is going on? Uh, and that's how they want you to feel, because that's how the Americans feel. So... We feel like that all the time in America. We're just <laughs> constantly like, what oh, the fuck is God. happening? No one knows. That's the problem. Anywho, uh, he goes on to say they didn't know if they knew who they were 
but you had seen all the things in the movie. You've heard McGrady say, I know I'm me. Well, you either believe him or you don't. Which, this is me speaking, is questionable because you do see his shit's all torn up, but they never explain that, by the way. Right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. And Child, oh, and then he goes on to say, and Child's, you know, one of my favorite lines in the movie is, where were you, Child's? And I think that basically says it all explained Russell. He continued, I love that. Over the years, that movie has gotten its due because people were able to get past the horrificness of the monster alien mimic thing because it was a horror movie but to see what the movie was about which was paranoia. (laughs) He took it up a notch. He was like, in reality the movie wasn't even about the fucking alien. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, y'all are superficial. It's like, you gotta look past that man. Yeah. It's an artistic commentary. I hate the way I sound right now. <laughs> paranoia. Mass hysteria. Ugh. The ability to trust in another's neighbor. Anyways, another theory uh, from Reddit user u dash, no, no, slash CG1991. Might have been born in 1991. I'm just posturing. Believes it is possible <laughs> that childs could have been a thing. And the presence of the earring should not exclude that possibility. This Reddit user argues that the thing learned from its experience in the Norwegian base camp, where it was like a big deal that they could tell based off those inorganic materials. And so when he got to this new camp, once he turned into Childs, he was like, well, fuck. So he pierced his, like, he just put the earring in because he's like, now I know. And so that's how he kind of was able to blend in longer because he learned. Because he's an intelligent being. To me, that's the only one that I could be like, yeah, I can't argue that one. That's possible. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. One thing now is the fillings theory wouldn't work as well in modern day remakes. Because most people have the non-silver colored ones. Yeah, they have the enamel. Yeah. So you wouldn't be able to just open someone's mouth and be like, oh yeah, that's good. (laughs) So, but yeah, those are the theories about the ending of the 82 version. There's not mm-hmm. much to theory about, uh, except for no. what is the thing? Obviously, it's an alien because it came in a UFO with some, yeah, in- yeah, some intense technology. Apparently, mm-hmm. it didn't have a weapon of any kind. That was a little weird to me. Itself oh. is the weapon. <laughs> Ooh, good point. He's got a lot of claws and fangs, and there, there's a lot of things on that, that thing. <laughs> That's true. That's true. The thing has all the things. It has all the things, man. Except a fire retardant coating. Yeah. But it basically replicates its victims, and... But yeah, you can you can assume maybe it's done this to other planets and other beings on different planets, or maybe it obviously comes from somewhere outside of our world, so... I mean, it's fair to think that it just goes to a planet and then slowly inhabits all the beings and takes it over. And then just moves on. Yeah, especially if it it really does, like, feed off of blood, then it would need to continue moving throughout the universe. Um, So each single being is, like, a composite of a whole species, species itself. But, like, do they they join back together? Do they turn back to an original form? 
or is it just its own being? Like, yeah, like there's if, so many different pieces to this thing. If a hand breaks off of the original thing, is that its own being now? Does it turn back into a hand, or does yeah. it just take the form of a totally new monster thing, or does they all join back together at some point? I don't know. It's a mystery. I wanna, I wanna. Okay, so I'm gonna assume. Going off of Tormund's character, Tormund from um, Game of Thrones, he's in the 2011 prequel. He gets attacked by the arm that gets thrown after somebody, and that just starts taking over himself. So I would assume maybe that would make it its own being at that point. But do maybe they, I guess if they never have to turn back into their original monster form. That works. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> also, because you just mentioned it, can we just talk about the faces that like mold together and how well? Oh my god! They did that. Yeah, that was to cool. Match the one that gets picked up in the eighty-two version. It's so good. Yeah. They did that. That was really job. cool. The idea I think that they try to do is that each, because if you can spread it through saliva, basically one tiny speck of it. Can, molecule <laughs> can take over an entire host but that's 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 scary that's very scary <laughs> it's a little to me that's a little different than when it like actually eats the thing something and like takes it over i don't know it's weird yeah my brain that is weird can't wrap around the science <laughs> but anyway that's but why i was never a science major so you know but anyways, the questions are there. Nobody has the answers, which is one of the beauties of this film. No one's gone back to try and explain it, which I hope they don't. Yeah. At least we know that they're vulnerable to heat and fire and they can burn. <laughs> so they have one way of destroying the victim or the victim. The But then the, the one the... that got burned came back to life in the 82 camp. So that part confused me, too. Maybe they just didn't burn it well enough. Maybe. Maybe you have to... Does it have a heart? I was going to say, maybe you have to burn the heart, but I don't know what that had to... I don't know. I, like, I don't know. Maybe it's like a vampire where you have to, like, burn it and then cut it up into... Separate the head. Yeah. Put them on separate corners. But if Bury each, the bones. But if each piece can become its own thing, then you're just creating more of them. If you Ew. That's a thought that I didn't think about. That, oh, fuck that. Maybe All you have right. to, like, well, incinerate, cremate it. I don't know. It's weird. I'm just going to go with they didn't burn it long enough. Because they do. They start to burn it, and then they put it out. And I'm like, why'd you put it out? Just let the shit burn. Yeah, dude, just let it fucking burn. <laughs> Turn it into a fucking dust pile. It's fine. Exactly. Like, it's cold there. Just let it burn and enjoy the it's, heat. It's know. not going to catch anything else on fire if it's not close to it. Yeah. I guess they have, they're, like, strong, and they're fast, and they grow limbs. And some of them are just mouths and legs, and it's weird. But they're so cool. They're crazy looking. There's a, I think it's called the Parasite, maybe. It's like a Japanese anime. And it's kind of the same thing, but not at all. <laughs> but like, there's, <laughs> there's a character who has like just a mouth on his hand. And like, that's the Parasite thing. And then, then like, there's other Parasites that are just different body parts. It's cool. Go watch it. Tyler watched it. I've never watched it myself, but I've seen bits and pieces of it. Um, but the idea is there. But anyways, on this fandom page, it has a list of the things that get killed, and I just want to read some of the names because they cracked me up. So for the 2011 version, 
They titled them The Original Thing, Griggs Thing, Juliet Thing, Centipede Thing, uh, Split Face. <laughs> and then for the 82 version, there's Kennel Thing, Blood Test Thing, Windows Thing, and Blair Thing. So basically, they just took the name and they put Thing at the end of it. Um, but Snow Thing. <laughs> some of them, yeah, some of them are like character specific and some of them are just monster specific it was just weird there's one that's tongue centipede thing like the leg centipede thing <laughs> snow thing i just thought that was funny yep um the last thought that i'm going to leave you with is that while i was watching this um, and i've said this before but i've watched tucker and dale first evil and ever since then i can't watch any movie without thinking of like, what if it's all just a big misunderstanding? Like, what does the evil thing feel? Um, so when I was watching this movie, I was like, man, what if that alien is just trying to escape planet Earth and it didn't even mean to get there? And there's a cartoon movie that my kid has watched endless amounts of time called Escape from Planet Earth. And that's basically what the plot is. It's a great movie. Go watch it if you like kid movies. Hmm. Um, but all I could think of when I was watching the 2011 version because it gives that background, is that this poor monster thing landed on uh, Earth, crash-landed, froze to death on accident, and then his first introduction to people is getting drilled into, like, the face and hurt. And so automatically he got defensive, and he's like, wow, these people are trying to kill me. And so he's just trying to survive, and then he goes to start a ship, and he's like, all right, I'm leaving, bye. And then they're like, no, you can't leave! And they kill him. Boom. And then he's like, fine, I'll be a fluffy little dog. And they're like, no! And they kill him. And he's like, fine, I'll just build a smaller version. Maybe they just didn't like the size. So I'll build a smaller version. It's better for the environment. And they're like, no! And they killed him. She's <laughs> not allowed to build anymore. So this poor alien is just like, I just want to go home. He's like, please. But maybe that's why he's so angry. He just wants to go home and nobody's letting him leave. <laughs> exactly. And everyone just keeps killing him and he doesn't know why. But it is the, uh, it's a, it, it's Halloween. Well, it's Halloween. Yes, it's Halloween. But it's October and we need to go through all of the Halloween October movie events that have happened. Um, this which... is a very specific list because <laughs> we didn't want it so we're gonna build on these every year and give new movies so these are yeah. some of them and then next year we'll give new ones each month so don't get mad at us if they're all halloween <laughs> that's most the of them are did. <laughs> it's october obviously the happenings of halloween and michael myers occurred so let's go through this really fast in october 30th 1957 michael audrey myers is born um, yeah, his middle name is Audrey. Um, and uh, on Halloween, what? I didn't know that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> on Halloween 1963, Michael Myers stabs his sister Judith multiple, multiple times, eventually killing her. Then on October 30th, 1978, Michael Myers kills Marion Chambers and escaped the sand. Technically doesn't kill Marion Chambers. Kind of, sort of, depending on which one you're going off of. Uh, <laughs> And escapes the sanitarium that he was at. Uh, he then heads to uh, Haddonfield and kills, um, but kills a truck driver and steals his clothes on the way, where he gets the jumpsuit. Then there's Halloween, 1978, which is the events of Halloween and Halloween 2 occur. 
So Te- all of the events. Technically, Halloween 2 occurs on November 1st. Cause it's that is true. Next day, right? That is true. Or is it just the Yes. Evening? No, no. Yeah, it does. Because it goes into the next day. And it's the only Halloween that is known to you to be, like, not based off of, like, Halloween Eve and Halloween. Cool. Uh, so that's when that happens. On October 13th, 1986, we're going to take a step away from Halloween really quick. Tina Shepard accidentally uses the telekinetic powers to collapse the dock that her father is standing on, drowning him. This isn't Friday the 13th, just so everybody knows. This is not Halloween. Uh, But we're going to go back to Halloween now. (laughs) (laughs) October 30th, 1988, after 10 years of uh, being in confinement, Michael Myers escapes Ridgemont Federal Hospital, and he goes on to Haddonfield again. So on Halloween 1988, the events of the return of Michael Myers and the night the demon and night of the demons occur. So that's that's all that good stuff. What's Night of the Demons? It's a good fucking question. I believe it's a separate movie. Uh, in Halloween 1989, the events of the revenge. I'm sorry, the events of the revenge of Michael Myers occur. Halloween 1994, the events of Night of the Demons 2 occur. That answers that question. There's that. <laughs> uh, it is a whole separate movie, by the way. Okay. October 30th through the 31st of 1995, the events of The Curse of Michael Meyer occur. Woo! I'm going to break that up and say October 31st of probably 2017, 18 maybe? 2018. Hold on. You don't sorry. know what I'm talking about. You're the, right. I'm sorry. The events of Hoobie's Halloween occur. <laughs> huh? If you haven't watched that, you should watch that. <laughs> I have. I don't. I don't. What is this? Hubie's Halloween. Oh, this is the Netflix one with Adam Sandler, right? Yeah, it's great. I haven't watched it. It's so good. I recommend everyone okay. watch it. If you're into like comedy horror, watch that one. Okay. I just wanted to break up the Halloween with that. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, we're go- well. We're gonna go back to Halloween. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> October thirtieth, nineteen ninety-eight. Carrie Tate, aka Laurie Strode, learns of of her daughter's death, which is a uh, Jamie Lloyd, the little girl. October thirty first, nineteen ninety eight, Halloween. Obviously, these are the events of Halloween H two O occur, which is fucking hilarious. And this is also when Laurie Strode is found on the road next to the sanitarium after attempting suicide. She has not spoken a word since being committed to the sanitarium. It's also the same time, or the same... 98 Halloween was when she chopped off Michael Myers' head, technically. um, And he still somehow comes back. October 99, that's... Or Halloween 99, that's when Laurie Strode is found on the road next to the sanitarium. uh, Not having not spoken or anything like that. Halloween 2001, Michael Myers returns to California to kill Laurie Strode, um, to which he succeeds. So, finally finished that one there at some point. (laughs) There's a lot of Halloweens. But let's finish. That's Resurrection, I believe. Oh, okay. That's either Resurrection or it's H2O. I think it's Resurrection. Um, But Halloween, or October 16th through the 31st of 2002 is when Halloween Resurrection occurs. And Halloween Resurrection is all about the fucking... It's the dumbest one. That's the one that has, like, Tyre Banks in it, and it's all about, like, the reality TV show. I want to say it's... Why you do that. And then October 17th of 1998 is when Marnie, Joey, and... Oh, I'm sorry. Marnie, Dylan, and Sophie Piper visit their grandmother, Aggie Cromwell, in Halloween Town. Oh, what do you know? (laughs) You said the names, and I instantly knew what you were talking about. 
And October 30th, 31st timeline of 1993 is when the events of Hocus Pocus occur. Whoop, whoop. And I guess it kind of rolls into November 1st. But 1993? Okay. <laughs> I just love the way that Danny says it in the movie. Sorry. Yeah, there you go. See, you got it. Because, tell me, darling, what year is it? Because, uh, 1993? And then when he's like, sisters, we've been asleep for 100 years. Uh, sorry, I know that movie to a T. As everybody um, knows, I have an obsession. It's fine. Uh, fun it's totally fact. fine. Marnie was only 13 years old when she discovered Halloween Town. She seemed much older in that movie, but that's just me. Nope, she was 13 because that's when the witches started to gain their powers. <laughs> I love Halloween Town, too. <laughs> but that's all we'll talk about for this year, and we'll save some more for next year. Yes. So that that's what you get for all the Halloween events in through roughly about 2002 <laughs> and that's it for the thing um, another congratulations to our raffle winner yeah thank you everybody who participated. participated we will be doing another one at some point so don't you worry you are not missing out i mean you you have another chance there we go that's what i'm trying to say uh, we will let you know the next one mm -hmm. and we're still picking our next movie. If you have recommendations, you can post it or send it to either of our social media accounts, which you can find on Instagram and Facebook at or underscore cats underscore witch hats. That was weird. Sorry. Oh, man. Let's not make that into a jingle. <laughs> That's our new intro sound. Witch hats. <laughs> Anyways. I'm a little hyper. I've been up since 4 a.m. What do you want from me? I'm in a Spider-Gwen costume. It's awesome. Anyways. You can also send us stuff to our Gmail at horrorcatswitchhats at gmail.com. All one word. Otherwise, happy Halloween. Or as cats would say, meow, 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 meow. Meow. <laughs>